0: what's up far far away family welcome to star wars audio archives so how's everyone doing today i hope all is well on your side of the galaxy there's a lot going on out here in outer rim but before we get too far into today's show i gotta ask you a question what did you think of the first three episodes of andor shoot me an email at sway.audio at gmail.com and tell me what you thought of them because me personally i really like them The music was amazing, the sound effects were spot on, the way they shot each scene was spectacular, and the first 10 minutes of episode 1, Cassian shot someone in the face. We didn't actually see it, but there was enough there to make it where our imaginations filled in the rest, which is how a film should be shot. If you can't show the man's face getting blown off, lead us right up to it and let our imagination do the rest. But I liked it. They did have some slow parts, but it was telling the story. And even though I like some action packed stuff, I liked when the story was well plotted and they did a great job of telling the story. Okay, didn't want to spoil too much, so we will leave Andor right there. Okay, so what else do we have for today? Well I guess we should get into some of the bad stuff first. And I don't know if it's really bad or just sad. James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader is throwing in the towel. His most impressive run as Darth Vader is coming to an end. After more than 40-year run in the Star Wars franchise, Vader's most recent appearance was earlier this year in Obi-Wan Kenobi. The 91-year-old James didn't go into the recording studio. Lucasfilms worked with a company called ReSpeecher, which used artificial intelligence to recreate the voice of Darth Vader digitally. Lucasfilms supervising sound editor Matthew Woods confirmed it to Vanity Fair. He said that the studio partnered with Researcher for Obi-Wan Kenobi because Jones was looking to wind down this particular character, but Wood added that Jones signed off on this process and served kind of as a godfather, overseeing Vader's part in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Jones most recently recorded the new Vader dialogue for The Rise of Skywalker after voicing the character since the original 1977 movie. In recent years, he also voiced Vader in Rogue One and the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Lucasfilms previously worked with Reese Feature when they created the synthesized Luke voice in The Mandalorian, and the book of Boba Fett, which also made use of the advanced de-aging and de-fake technology to generate a younger version of the character, which is something that people didn't realize is that Luke's voice isn't real either. The Mandalorian creator Jon Favreau revealed it in the making of Documentary, adding that the technology used in the show will get to the point you can't tell them apart, which I think is awesome and sucks at the same time. I love the fact that technology allows us to do that, but I would love it even more if the original actors could play the part. I don't think simulations can ever beat the real thing. Okay, what else do we got for news? Well, let's jump back to Andor real quick because the creator of the series, Tony Gilroy, said it will have a high death toll by the end of Season 2. As Andor has already established itself as a more mature Star Wars story, Tony says that the series will have a significant death toll by the end of Season 2, meaning fans should not get too attached to a character. The first three episodes are darker than many Star Wars stories. Andor is a prequel to Rogue One, a movie featuring a grittier version of war between the Rebel Alliance and the Empire. Andor opens in the seedier side of the galaxy as Cassian Andor explores the underbelly of Star Wars. Within the first ten minutes, Cassian finds himself in an encounter with two pre-Mora employees, who he ends up killing, which was one of my favorite parts of Episode One. The opening immediately lets fans know the tone of the series, and it continues from there. Even the look of Andor is less colorful than other Star Wars shows and movies. While it is unlikely that Andor will turn into a bloodbath because it is still Disney, a few characters have already been introduced and killed off in the first three episodes. In an interview with Hollywood Reporter, Tony talked about the fate of many of these characters. While most fans know that Cassian dies at the end of Rogue One, that doesn't mean every character in Andor meets the same fate. Tony doesn't spoil who dies, but he does reveal that he has planned out who will live and who will die by the end of season 2 he states it will be a lot of characters. We literally have around 200 speaking parts in the first 12 episodes. When I figured out season two, I had to make about 30 phone calls to actors that I knew were going to go forward. And I had to call them up and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is when you live and this is when you die. This is how many episodes you're in. I mean, the body count is high all the way through. But some people do live, it's a revolution. It's a very intense period of time. People are doing very dangerous things. Some people live and some people don't. It's like how do you know who lives or dies at the end of the previous Star Wars? You don't know. I mean, there's people buried on Yavin. Who knows who they are? Almost every character in Rogue One dies at the end, but that doesn't mean Andor can't end differently. There is hope that Bix and Luthen could be alive at the end of the series. I think Tony really wants to do Star Wars that adult fans want, which is cool with me. But the key I wanted to point out in this is that he states there is a Season 2, and after some digging, I found this statement from Tony about Season 2. When he was asked when Season 2 of Andor would be coming out, he said Andor is unique because the entire series has already been planned out. Season 1 consists of 12 episodes, and Season 2 will consist of another 12 episodes for a total of 24 episodes. However, Star Wars fans will have to wait for Season 2 as it might not arrive until late 2024 okay, wait a minute, that is two years from now, and look at his choice of words. He said it might not arrive until late 2024, which means it could come out before that, or it could come out after that, which sucks if we have to wait two years or longer for the next season. I am 44 years old, and never in my lifetime have I ever had to wait two years for the next season of a show to come out. Okay, maybe Mandalorian Season 3 is taking that long, but what I am trying to say is this how Disney is going to do things, making us wait forever for the next season? Is that the new way of things for Disney? I certainly hope not. I'm too impatient for all that waiting. Okay, now let's get to the fun fact for this week. And this fact comes to us from the Star Wars Encyclopedia. The basic tenets of the Jedi Code was based on a writing of Jedi Master Ordin Er, who wrote down the code 4,000 years before the Battle of Yevin. But the crazy part is, the philosophy never changed it never got updated it never went different it was that way for four thousand years all the way up to the jedi were defeated that's crazy obi-wan probably still followed it Yoda probably still followed it every jedi probably still followed it maybe not luke just because luke really probably didn't know it i don't think we ever hear it in any of the movies but i have a feeling that it, it never changed okay so i think that's enough of all that let's get to brotherhood because when we left off last week anakin was having some difficulties with the younglings he didn't think it would be that hard to teach them. Then he finds out that they're going on tomorrow's mission, so he really doesn't know what to do. And I can't wait to find out how he handles this. So let's get back to the story now. But first, we got the segue intro thingy. What ground you have? You're now in the park and so just
1: back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far thought, thought away. Now let's hear what Darvina has to say. We would be honored if he would join us. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Despite his various dealings with the Trade Federation over the last decade, including the toothless trials of Newt Gunray, this marked the first time that Obi-Wan stepped onto Kato Neimoidia soil. Well, not exactly soil. That remained some distance below him. And instead, Obi-Wan walked out of a shuttle's small loading ramp to a landing platform not unlike those on Coruscant, a long oval connected to a bridge that led into the city itself. On either side, further landing platforms of various sizes sat, from small spaces reserved for governmental use to a large port for commerce traffic, making this corner of Zara more of a transportation hub than anything else. Despite the functional nature of the space, the surrounding structures represented the ornate aesthetic of Kato nemoidia a land bridge arc juxtaposed with rows of towers with intricate carvings up and down their walls. At the oval's lip stood a group of Nemodian leaders. He recognized Minister Ayam from the other day, though he wasn't sure if the others were local representatives of Kato Nemodia, or if they belonged to the greater Trade Federation contingent. However, two things were certain. First, Senator Lot Dodd had kept his word and stayed out of it, which made it more likely these were local officials. Second, standing behind them was someone new, someone who didn't seem to fit the picture. He angled his view, moving slightly to avoid drawing attention to his scouting efforts. Certain details clearly stood out. From her pale skin to the intensity of her glare, she waited in a familiar pose, one that Anakin often adopted as his default stance. Legs apart, arms behind the back. But here, the mystery woman clearly held a constant scowl on her face despite the hood over her head, her focus tracking Obi-Wan from the moment he emerged. Master Kenobi! Welcome, Emissary, I am said. I'm pleased to make your acquaintance in person. The sleeve of his long purple robe draped off his outstretched arm as he spoke. High kicked up, flapping the sleeve and blowing the tails of his outfit, though his ceremonial headdress remained in place. Low heating, Obi-Wan said with a slight bow. Greeting the Namorians with their native packpack as a sign of respect. The Republic sends its sympathies and condolences. The tragedy of your people has captured the hearts and minds of many in the Republic. and we will do everything we can to discover the true culprit behind this attack. A G2 droid scooted by, then beat the request for permission to go aboard his craft. That's fine. He gestured inside, then waited for the droid to come out, carrying his creative supplies. I travel light, but I think you will find that I have nothing to hide. Shall I do the inspection? The woman asked, finally stepping forward. She pulled the hood off to reveal a hairless head, and her limbs remained obscured by her long cloak. Whomever you prefer. Obi Wan leaned over and pressed the latch to unlock the lid. She brushed past the Namorian dignitaries, her shoulder pushing into theirs. Obi-Wan took the opportunity to give her another look and confirm his suspicion. Republic forces had seen her before, identified only as an authority within the Separatist army. A leader of some sort, to be sure, though different from the recent emergence of General Grievous, and unlike any other military commander they'd encountered. Her background, her skills, even her name required further digging. And now the unlikely bonus of this kato nei investigation enabled Obi-Wan to see who she was and how much of a threat she might be. The woman walked past him without a word, then knelt down to look at the open crate and reached inside. Republic credit chips, she said holding up the small stack of emergency currency. The minister will provide you with all of your accommodations. You have no need for currency here, so the local government will safely bank this for you. You will, of course, receive it back with accumulated interest when you leave. I appreciate the favor. She dug further and removed each item giving a visual inspection before setting it back inside. Obi-Wan watched, his own awareness keeping his heart rate and breathing steady while he waited for the inspection to pass. She reached the final item, the chemical scanner with the comlink secretly attached to it. This is interesting, the woman said. She stood up, her cloak flowing back down to rest. And she presented the device in front of the gathered-name I've never seen such elaborate plating on a scanning device. It was custom. A gift from a friend. Consider it, Obi-Wan said. A bit of a lucky charm. She tapped a finger against the underside with the alloy case attached before coming back to Obi-Wan. Holding it up as they met face to face. It's very pretty. I didn't know Jedi cared for such flamboyant things. Sentimental value. A sentimental Jedi. The woman smiled, the harsh lines of her tattooed face bending in unnatural ways. I think we'll be friends. Perhaps you can have it when I'm done with my investigation. It would be a lovely accessory. And look, it's even my color. She put the device back into the crate, then clamped the lid shut. The Jedi is clean, she announced, her long cloak whipping out to reveal a hint of a skirt underneath as she turned on her heel. Come, emissary, said Minister Iam. We will send your belongings to your quarters. The shuttle. He gestured to a small transport craft on a connected smaller platform, one likely used for city-to-city vehicles. We'll take us to the disaster area. They walked in silence, though Obi-Wan noticed the mystery woman matched his exact pace, stride for stride. I'm sorry, Obi-Wan said. I didn't catch your name. Ventress, she said. Asajj Dendrass, a pleasure to finally meet a Jedi. Count Dooku
0: speaks so highly of your order They started with
1: the formalities, a basic tour of the government offices and the most notable landmarks of Zara. The brightly lit mix of business and artistry, from the hanging towers below the capital's biggest stone archway to the open-air grand theater of judgment, where trials and debates took place. The cityscape looked truly gilded from the air. Designs and architecture unique to the culture and unlike anything else Obi-Wan had seen in his journeys across the Republic. Elegant and sophisticated, in ways far different than, say, Naboo, while still taking advantage of the planet's unique natural wonders. Structures jutting out in directions simply impossible elsewhere. The tour itself was short-lived, and soon they soared through the rolling fog of Cato Neimoidia. A long descent that revealed just how high up the rocky spires of this world were. Though he had watched hollows showcasing the topography of the planet, none of it did justice to the overwhelming girth. No wonder they had the ability to anchor entire cities. It's quite majestic, isn't it? Have you ever seen anything like it? Obi-Wan said, a strategic question to goad the mysterious ventures into revealing more about herself. Not in person. I have not either. I've traveled to planets with all forms of environmental oddities, but nothing quite like this. She shook her head with a breath, then straightened up. Let's dispense with the pleasantries. You wish to ask me something, Kenobi? Her direct line of questioning caught Obi-Wan's diplomatic sensibilities off guard. Perhaps that was by design given her demeanor. I'm trying to be polite. Obi-Wan tilted forward in his seat. Around them, the Nemoidians remained silent, though he was certain they listened. Unless you feel you have something to hide. Something, Obi-Wan said. Suddenly, all of that experience strategically arguing with Anakin proving fruitful. That makes you untrustworthy. Ventress's head tilted as she bit her bottom lip. A huff of amusement coming out, just enough for Obi-Wan to hear. In fact, the other passengers may have missed it. While my master has great respect for your order, he also understands that it is the political tool of the Republic. If you recall, she gave a knowing nod. That is one of the reasons he left it. She referred to Dooku as Master. Was that an intentional representation of hierarchy within the Separatist leadership? Or a slip revealing something further? Fair point. Because of that, he has sent me to oversee your investigation and interactions with the nemoidians She sucked in a breath, holding it as if to tease him. To ensure that... There is no evidence of corruption. Her eyes locked with his, a menacing leer that felt as much a dare as a threat. Fortunately, Obi-Wan had dealt with worse. He did, after all, see Anakin through some very turbulent teenage years. Well then, he responded with a tense calm, presenting an equally lengthy pause. Then his tone retreated. Going back to the standard diplomat's voice, as if he were simply talking to another politician on Coruscant. I look forward to working with you, he added, putting his hand out to shake, in good faith. She looked at his outstretched hand, then back up to read his face. He responded in kind, with a polite smile, and waited without any movement, like an AI hollow, awaiting input before animating its canned response. Likewise, she finally said, taking his hand. The damage was worse than Obi-Wan had expected. They started with an aerial view, constantly circling as the Nemoidian inspector explained the disaster simulation they'd created to get a sense of how the entire structure fell. Speed, angle, tilt, how fires from the initial explosion spread to other areas, the way those fires then weakened other structures prior to impact. And though Ventress presented a cold and unmoving front, he noticed that the air shifted around her when the inspector described the way bodies were flung out from the structure during its nose dive to the planet's surface, and in very pragmatic terms, when he described the radius around the structure in which corpses had so far been recovered. And that was just the first pass. The closer they got, the more unsettling the visuals were. From the still-smoking fires to the imploded buildings, the crumbled remains of their gold plating reflecting the licks of flames. My estimates! We have recovered a third of the body so far. Were there any survivors? Yes. Luck was on their side. Our analysis team wants to discuss their circumstances with them to see if they can identify a pattern, some type of safety parameter we can build into our infrastructure. He looked down, his green skin turning more ashen as his eyes closed. But most of them refused to talk about it. Look, Ventress said, interrupting the discussion. Stop the shuttle. The flight paused, hovering in midair. Ventress took out a scope, then stood by the cockpit. There it is, she said. Come here, Kenobi. What is it? She handed over the scope and pointed at an angle off the flight path. Obi-Wan brought the scope to his eyes, the target area already highlighted in a bright green box within the display. The scope zoomed in, its internal computer interpolating details about the damage so fast that Obi-Wan couldn't digest it all. But the visual highlight was enough. This clearly was the remains of a strut built to secure the city block between spires, a charred burst indicating the center of an explosion the blast points she said and as if by design five further green boxes lit up each framing clear burn marks how many do you count six six blast points each precisely laid out with exact spacing and angles to one another probably calculated by computer The destruction on the shredded end of the massive strut blanketed over a lot of the finer evidence. But Obi-Wan had seen enough in his time, including his few weeks being around the clones, to understand that Ventress was right. And bounty hunters, pirates, mercenaries, while it remained possible that they could do something like this, the odds of that felt low, especially after Dex's report. Six blast points, distributed specifically to maximize damage given the load on the strut. I would consider this military precision. Wouldn't you? Perhaps, Obi-Wan said, one iron I am in the front of the craft. Droids can be precise as well. That they can. Such an astute observation. I can see why they call you a master. She turned I am as well. And this is just a single strut. Who knows what we'll find elsewhere. Though an exhale of frustration fought to come out, Obi-Wan caught it. And instead offered the scope to Ventress in a controlled gesture. This certainly requires more investigation. Indeed. She took the scope back with a harsh tug that pulled on his fingers. If there are no objections, I am said, I would like to land and show you the destruction on the surface level. Please do. It is imperative that I see the entire range of destruction before I start my investigation. I promise I will get to the bottom of this. The shuttle chair creaked as Obi-Wan shifted in his seat to look directly at Ventress. Perhaps through mutual cooperation, we can find some common ground between our governments. Cooperation? Ventress settled back into her chair, legs crossed and arms folded. Light from outside reflected in the shuttle's cramped quarters, and Obi-Wan caught a glint of metallic reflection by her hip before she adjusted her cloak. Certainly, if you can win me over Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member
0: FDIC. Now this is what I'm talking about. Something that was left out of the Clone Wars. Something that I wanted to know for a while. When did Obi-Wan and Ventress first meet? Did she come out slinging her lightsaber? And now I got my answer. He didn't know she was Dooku's apprentice. Shoot, he didn't know she was a dark side user. But he does know that she is high ranking, whoever she is. But you can tell one thing that she's not. She is not as angry. If you have ever watched the Clone Wars, she was constantly angry, yelling, jumping into battle. Here she seems to have a lot more restraint, almost a suave and cool demeanor about herself. She has a playful nature with Kenobi, which I like. It makes her seem even more evil. But I guess the question that I have is how long can she keep this up? We all know how Ventress is. So how long will it take for her to explode and reveal her true nature to Kenobi? I guess we will have to wait and see. So let's get to the quarter this week, and it comes to us from T.S. Eliot. He said only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Well, let that sink in for a second. Essentially, this is a challenge. Eliot is saying that we are always capable of more than we think we are. Only those that are willing to keep going to a point which they fear is too far can one ever discover how far it is possible for them to go. If we do not take risks, we will always be slightly holding ourselves back. Do not allow yourself to become shackled by fear. Only then you will be free to fulfill your true potential. In order for you to find the edge, you must first risk going over the edge. We cannot change our destination overnight, but we can change our direction. This is a lifetime process. How long will this take? How far can I go? These are questions that you should be asking yourself right now. Not that you will be able to answer it. Most of us have started this growth journey a long time ago, and we still don't have the answers. But it will help to set the direction, and maybe the distance. The best you can hope for in life is to make the most out of every day. But you can only do that by investing into yourself, making yourself the best you can be. Then there will be more for you to work with, the greater your potential, and the further you should try to go. You should give growing your best, so you can become your best. Remember, you have to attempt the impossible in order to improve the situation. You will only fail if you never try. Take that leap of faith in yourself because you might just fly. Okay, that's all I have. Join us next week for more Star Wars Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.